Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on the promise of agile leadership. Today, I have with me Paige Sellers. Paige has worked in the industry for about 20 years in different sectors, ranging from government to media to IT. Paige is an agile coach, and most important, she is a leadership coach. Welcome, Paige. Thank you, Deepa. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Paige, for coming here. There is a lot of promise of what Agile brings to us. What I see and what, what people want when they bring Agile in their organization is we want it faster and cheaper, which means they want everyone to work faster and cheaper. They want their products to be that way and their services, and uh, they want people to work in that manner. So they're looking at it as a way to be more efficient. So isn't that great? It's great. It's absolutely great. <laughs> One of the promises of Agile is that you will eliminate waste. It's a lean manufacturing concept. And what happens in organizations is they also see it as a way, as oh, everybody will be happier if we're doing Agile. And that can happen. That is a side effect. What I see happening is that they bring it in and they're focused so much on the process of frameworks that that support the concepts that they lose touch with the original intention. And I come into organization and the leaders say, oh, make everybody agile, make everything agile, but they want it all to happen down there. That is one of the reasons why change doesn't happen in organizations, because we don't want to change, but we want others to change. Absolutely. The leadership in an organization wants all of the quote teams or people below them to change. They don't want to do it themselves and, and they don't think they need to. What I find also is there's a a mindset that everything that got me to here will keep me going. (laughs) And that is true. Many people are quite successful. They've risen to the top of an organization because of how they've been. But now they're at a plateau and they're not going to go any further. Or how they've been is starting to not become as acceptable. Right. So what got you here won't get you there. And so with that in mind... What gets in the way of transforming and really getting to the promise of Agile, which is make things faster, make things cheaper? What gets in the way of transforming into Agile? The first thing I see is when leaders fail to have a compelling vision, mm-hmm. they fail to have a compelling vision for what things will look like and why that's important to the individual. Tell me more about that. Many times I see and, and this is related to fix everyone down there, yeah. go fix them. I see systemically leaders who get where they are because they're really good at what they do. Yeah. And that's warranted. And so they, they want to keep control over everything and they keep doing and doing. And I can do it better than they can. Or I'll super delegate and I won't know what's going on. But mainly it's because they know what's going on and they want to keep a hold on everything. So what I see happening in some cases is They don't let go and let the people below them make decisions. So decisions are not pushed down. And this is a a primary concept in Agile is that the people who do the work will actually make the decisions. Uh And so what happens to me as a leader if I start letting other people make all the decisions and do the work? Hmm. What's left for me? What does that mean about who I am? Am I needed in this organization if others are going to make decisions and go ahead? Yeah, if others are going to make decisions... 
what does that mean for my role? Do I become not needed? What do I do? Well, what it actually does is it frees up the leaders to be visionary, to actually lead their people. And that's scary because what if I'm a leader? Well, I don't know how to do that. Or what if I'm not good at it? Or could that actually be my role? It's like the promise of who they can be in the future, which is this visionary leader, which is what people in a certain level of management are being called to do. Um, It can be a scary proposition because it means changing how you've been doing things. It means changing what's worked for you and what's kept you safe and protected you as a leader. So what I'm hearing is uh, what Agile brings in the organization is not just a process to get your products rolled out in a faster and cheaper way, but it also brings with it unconsciously a change in mindset. It brings a change in mindset that people need to incorporate in order for really those processes and those methodology of Agile to have effect. Absolutely. It brings transparency to the fact that people really want to do their best. And when you bring in the Agile principles and values, that's what it's meant to support. And if it's not happening in your organization, it's quite exposed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you link transparency with a principle of Agile? We work daily with the, the business people. And so part of what's happening in Agile is instead of asking the customer what they want and going away and building it or working on it and then coming back with it, mm-hmm. we're actually saying, what's the main thing you want? And, okay, let's go away. Is this it? Oh, no. Is this it? Is this it? You constantly are iterating. Let me give you a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back and uh, ask you if this looks good. Mm. And so there's, there's an iterative effect. That's, that's part of what Agile is an iterative effect. And it's not assuming, it's not making assumptions about what the customer wants and it's giving them something early and often. Mm. Mm. A big change happens in shifts. Big change is like, sometimes you think there's this big bang or this big change, but really it was a bunch of incremental shifts. Kind of like how we work internally as humans is sometimes you think something big just happened. What you don't realize is you probably had a thousand small shifts that led to that large shift. So what I'm hearing is uh, in Agile, Things are done in small incremental steps. And as things are done in small incremental steps, of course, things are not completed and it's not picture perfect on day one when it's delivered. And so you're also exposing problems. You're also exposing errors. That is a big shift in terms of mindset of exposing my errors all through the different levels of different departments. It does. Yeah, it exposes the communication issues between departments. You know, people who were not normally talking to each other are now supposed to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And so that requires growth on everyone's part to communicate in a different way. Can you give an example on that? Well, I I think a classic example would be there are, call them engineers or technical people that were normally given some type of written document where they go away and work on it and they deliver code. Um, Let's just talk about software, although Agile is not only in software, but that's the main place it's used. They deliver the code and and then somebody else goes and and, and deals with the testing and goes off. But now the beauty of it is that that engineer can go talk to that customer and actually understand why they're doing what they're doing and the larger concept and be able to bring in more expertise with that knowledge. Mm. And they they have to learn how to speak something else besides code. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And this is exactly where a lot of companies, I imagine, put a break 
that they don't want their engineers to be talking to their customers mm-hmm. because there's a certain way that salespeople have been talking to their customers and now the language of communication also changes. So you're absolutely right. Agile exposes the problems mm-hmm. of communication which are present internally in an organization. It brings it out. It enlarges it. It enlarges it and it aids it because now the person who's doing the work is closer to who's asking for the work. And there will, there will be a better understanding of what's needed. So even though I may have this engineer that can't speak this business language, the longer the two interact, the more they're actually going to understand each other. And we'll find a way. We will find a way to communicate as humans. I mean, have you ever gone, and I'm sure you have because you travel nationally, you go somewhere, you don't speak the language, but you're somehow speaking your language, they're speaking theirs, you're using hand signals and pointing, and you actually figure out how to order your meal or buy something or (laughs) ask for directions and pointing to something, you will figure it out. Absolutely, absolutely. Leaders who actually put a break on this are people who fear of how will my department or how will my team, how will my organization look like if they don't speak the language of the customers? And therefore, sometimes we stop this process and we put intermediary people who will actually speak to the customers Mm. in your particular example And we actually don't help the process of Agile to be fully effective. Right. And then we start rebuilding a multi-layered hierarchical organization as opposed to something that's more flat. Okay. And and I'm guessing that Agile wants to bring a much more flat organization? Ideally, because when you have it, and if you look at like the the micro scale of, of a team, there's the team, there's the product owner, there's your scrum master. But really, there's just team. There's different roles in the team, maybe. They do different things and you know, they try to be cross-functional. But there's no hierarchy. Everyone has a voice. It doesn't mean that it's a democracy. The product owner says, this is what we're building. But the team works together no matter who's doing what role. And so that is more flat. And, you know, Something you just said before sparked in me when you said this uh, business person may not want certain people to talk to each other because of how it looks. Then that's something that person needs to look in of themselves What are they embarrassed about? What reaction are they having to this change of how things are happening? And I think that's what leaders need to do is not how am I going to figure that out, but what is that sparking in me? What defense mechanism is coming up for me that I need to look at and be enlightened about, address, so that I can actually be a better leader. (laughs) So often it's so easy to look out there what's not all right out there than to look inside myself and see... Where is it that I need to change? What's happening inside me? What is a trigger in me? One of the things I've heard here is Agile exposes problems. It enlarges problems. And Agile pushes you to be more transparent. Agile pushes decision-making more to the periphery of the system. And these are all scary things. Yes, it allows you to see the patterns of behavior in your organization. If you can look for that, like what patterns of behavior are happening Because when you change up an organization like this, you're going to see where do we have lack of communication? Where do we have uh, people that either don't want to take responsibility for what they're doing or who overdrive and take too much responsibility? And how can we grow them in a way and support them so that they can actually be able to take risks to do something different, knowing that it's safe to do that? When I say safe to do that is that they're not going to be chastised for taking a risk, for doing something different, for failing they need to be able to be in an environment. And this is, what, this is what Agile coaches come in and help with is helping people see that let's experiment. Let's do this experiment for two weeks where we do it this way or where we 
speak out and do this. Like, let's make an agreement on the team. We call it a shared agreements on the team, which is similar that coaches may know as designed alliance, where you say, this is how we're going to behave with each other. And then we're going to reassess it later. And let's see how this works. And it could be, these are our processes, or this is how we treat each other. And also allowing for people are going to, you know, let's make this an experiment. So there's a whole experiment mentality that we want people to embrace because that makes it safe. That means it's not permanent. It means we're going to look at it and assess it together and see how it's helpful or not helpful. And we'll learn from it. So as long as you're like learning, it's okay that something didn't work because if there's learning in there, then Mm. you have gold. It all sounds very simple. And yet at the same time, I see replications in big organizations when people fail because the systems and processes don't help people to stand up and voice Mm -hmm. out their failure. Failure is seen as a stigma. Failure can put a break on your career advancement. Failure can mean no bonus for the year. You're absolutely right. And this is why the focus of coaching and organizations needs to be at all levels, especially in agile coaching. We come in and coach the teams, but the coaching um, it needs to be up and down. If I'm coaching a team, I want to coach everybody up the line. or I want to be exposed to them and help all levels see what's going on and redefine what is failure. What does that mean? There's a, a concept of a dual track where you're doing delivery and you, you, you have a delivery track and you have a <laughs> learning track and you actually track your learning. And I've just read about this, this model. And I was like, well, that's brilliant because you actually have cycles of learning. You actually talk about what you learn. And it's part of your delivery, but there's a way that we can make learning less scary. And I don't mean ex- acquiring of knowledge, but learning about how we behave as individuals. And you're right. I think I see a lot of talk about, yes, we embrace failure, but then the actions don't match. So I, I don't see uh, the senior management in some organizations, walking the talk, but they want to be able to say it. What is the mindset shift that's needed for Agile? Look at what behavior and patterns you want to change in your organization. And then ask yourself, what are you doing to change how you engage to model that behavior? And be honest about it. I love the fact that you mentioned, look at what is it that you want to change as a behavior. And it's not just something that's out there to be changed by the team. It's me and the team. It's every single person in the organization needs to develop themselves. Every single person in the organization has a learning curve along with the delivery curve, like you just mentioned. And in that learning curve comes, what behaviors do I need to change? What behaviors do my colleagues need to change? What behaviors do people in the other department need to change? And as we start to embrace that development path, and then I guess Agile would be much more easier. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's definitely a journey. There's not a, we are now Agile. There's There's a journey of agility. Concretely, When you work with teams as an agile coach, what are the main blockers that you have seen, the biggest Mm -hmm. shifts that they've found difficult to make? One thing that I think is key to teams and organizations moving forward is to adopt a shared sense of responsibility. The reason I think that can be difficult and challenging is that we are still compensated as individuals. And it makes sense that we're compensated as individuals and it makes sense that we're recognized as individuals and recognized as teams. The core of what I see is uh, problems will be exposed or the way they work will be exposed and it will, it will be judged. So I think that there's a, there's a fear of being judged and that can come out in behavior such as 
I'm not going to say exactly how complex this is because if I do, then you'll think it's easy and I won't have enough time to get it done and people estimate how long things get done or how complex it is. I wonder if part of the stigma of Agile when it comes in is, okay, this is going to come in, I'm going to have to be in pain, reorganize, and then everyone's just going to act the same again. Or nothing's going to change for me, now I have to work faster. When in fact, what really needs to be happening is the mindset that we are humans, we are not meant to be in firefighting mode at work 24-7. I know people live this way, but part of what happens in, say, Scrum and in the Kanban and these other frameworks is that you work at a sustainable pace, that the team decides, yes, this is the work we can take on, this is what we think we can do, and every day we're actually going to be transparent about where we are. It's not going to be a secret at the end that it works or doesn't work. We're actually going to constantly be communicating out, this is where we are, this is where we think we're going to be, and that is going to be a constant uh, information radiator for anyone to see. So full transparency is very scary for people. Because they're going to see, oh, we're actually a little behind. Or, oh, we're a little ahead. Now they think we're going to get done faster. And that can be quite scary for people. It's like you're naked. Yeah. (laughs) It's like your team is naked. And it's like, oh, now you can see everything. Uh, Now what? You actually can't hide. Yeah, you can see all my problems. You can see all my flaws. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the previous model, I had time to think about it and, you know, fix those flaws, fix those errors. But now if I have a self-doubt, if I'm figuring out things, I have to tell people that I'm figuring it out. Yeah, putting all that spin on and making promises when you're not really sure what's going on. But with the way teams are set up in Agile, everyone should know what's going on. Nothing is hidden. I'm not saying every minute of the day somebody knows what's going on, but what what I'm saying is it's known what's coming and it's known what doesn't work. And it's known more quickly so it can be corrected, so something new can emerge. Mm, Beautiful. So what I'm hearing is Agile brings transparency, and with that transparency, problems are exposed, problems are magnified. Which is beautiful because then you can do something about them. It's not a negative that problems, and whatever that means by problem, is exposed because before you had problems, you didn't know it, and so you didn't know systemically why things weren't working. Now you can actually do something about these. This is the notion of continuous improvement, is that you're actually incrementally addressing things and incrementally, not even just addressing problems, but looking at what does work. What's working so well on our team and our organization that we want to amplify it? Can we run an experiment where we take what's going well and just crank it up and amplify it? And what happens then? Maybe these problems we had over here actually don't even matter now. Who cares? Let that be a problem that will probably fade away. So I don't even want to focus so much on what's not going well on a team, but what is going well? What are the strengths? What synergies do they have? What qualities are on this team? When I say team, I don't just mean scrum team. I mean, a team could be a 200 people working on something. What's going well that we can actually capitalize on and run an experiment? Yeah. Wow, beautiful. So I'm hearing the words experiment. I'm hearing the word communicate. I'm hearing the word transparency. And I'm hearing sharing problems, you know, talking out openly about things. Sometimes we spend a lot of effort in organization trying to look good, trying to look like I'm the perfect one, trying to look like I've got it all figured out because there are compensation related to how well I do my job, how good I look. Mm -hmm. Do these things get into the way in terms of transforming an organization to agile? 
they can, but I, I don't want to dismiss or squash individual creativity and people excelling because uh, that should definitely not be squashed. It shouldn't be that everyone is, uh, becomes the same and is vanilla and that we, we all act the same. Definitely not. So when I talk about people deciding this is a team, it doesn't mean that everybody's the same. People are all individuals and they all bring something interesting to the table. I think it's a matter of actually understanding what that is and letting them do that. And also letting other people be inspired by it and learn that too. And that's the great thing about making these teams is that, okay, we have some people who are specialists or, and, but guess what? Maybe part of the time I'm actually going to go do what you do and learn it. And that way, if you're out, I can take over. or I'll actually expand what I'm doing by understanding what you're doing. And so we're not trying to make people be all the same. We're not trying to have people act the same. It's more that people will actually look at what got them here and not assume that that's what's going to get them to the future. And really, it's about the modeling. And so it's a little bit of a one person by one person, which is why in organizations, if the top of the organization is not behaving in a growth mindset, then the the rest of the organization is not going to get there as quickly because people will mimic their managers. This is how my manager is behaving. I guess this is what I need to do to get ahead. (laughs) And as you talk about people mimicking managers' behaviors, I see that very often in organizations. And I know that Agile talks about pushing decision-making right to the periphery. Mm -hmm. And when there's a crisis, I often see managers making decisions, picking up the reins again. Yeah. And I'm not saying if there's an emergency and a fire and you do need to step in. I think that that can happen. Everything is not always decision by committee if you've got a team of people doing it. But yes, pushing it, it can be difficult. It's almost like a parent that has to watch their child. You know, they need to make their own choices. So, and you see them making a choice and you're like biting your knuckles. (laughs) And you're like, oh, it's not going to go well, but you have to let them fail. But if you see something is dangerous, then you do need to step in. So at a company, if you manager, if the decision the person is about to make is going to cost the company $20 million, okay, you may want to step in. So that's not the situation we're talking about. I think that people need to give themselves permission to push up against their own barriers and to look at what do I want to get to and what's really going to get me there. Hmm. So Agile is kind of a trigger for growth for us to change. Beautifully said, Deepa. It is a trigger and a growth for change. Thank you. What is one tip that you can give managers so that they can succeed in making the agile transformation happen? For leaders to look at what behaviors and patterns they want to change in their organization and then ask themselves, what am I doing to change how I engage? How am I modeling the behavior that I want? How am I modeling the mindset I want, the intentions I want people to have? And to be honest about it, and if you don't know, then get help. Ask someone. Thank you. That goes so well with the saying, be the change that you want to see in the world. And then you can make the promise of agile leadership much more possible. Thanks very much, Paige, for being here with us. Thank you for having me on, Deepa. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.